Welcome to the Art of Humanity with Jessica Ann. Listen for fresh perspectives with artists, leaders, authors, and entrepreneurs. Explore creativity and consciousness. Evolve your business with the Art of Humanity. Now, here's your host, Jessica Ann. Welcome to the Art of Humanity, where we explore creativity and consciousness to allow you and your business to evolve. Today, I'm thrilled to have with me Brian Kramer. Brian is one of the world's foremost leaders in the art and science of sharing and has been credited with instigating the human-to-human business movement in marketing and social. With over 300,000 social fans and followers and an intimate understanding of the intricacies and interworking of both social technologies and social behaviors, Brian is both a practitioner and authority on the subject. He's also a renowned global speaker, consultant, and trainer. Brian, I know you're having an incredibly busy week with the new release of your book, so I thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So, Brian, we've had the pleasure to meet in real life. I met you and your wife, Courtney, at South by Southwest. Remember that? I do, briefly. I think it was Rainy Street. Um, yeah. Do you still go to South by Southwest each year? Uh, I do. I've been now for the last... I want to say four years, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it just keeps getting bigger. It really does, in both good and bad ways. Yeah, no kidding. So after 10 years of running a successful Silicon Valley marketing firm, you describe in your TED Talk that you were a bit lost. From the outside looking in, you were living the dream. But from the inside out, you felt completely empty. You even felt like quitting your own company. But then you reinvented yourself and you asked yourself the hard questions to get yourself where you are today. Can you describe a little bit about what happened during this time in your life? Oh man, you basically just read the words from the first uh, 30 seconds of my TED talk. Um, (laughs) And that is a very um, interesting part of my life because um, I was, like you said, from the outside looking in uh, very, very successful, at least from you know, from a, a company that was doing well, um, standpoint per matter was doing well. Um, everybody was happy and, um, and I wasn't, I was very, you know, feeling like I wasn't contributing to my own company because I'd managed to delegate so many things out, which I think every, you know, leader should do, um, instead of doing it themselves. But then once you're, you know, to the point where, um, you know, you've delegated everything out, then, then what? And, um, and so I was kind of lost with what my next goal or purpose was, and it took me um, some time to figure that out. But what um, what I landed on was really, um, you know, just sharing. Um, and and it's when social media came on the scene, what like five years ago uh, or thereabouts, when it really came on the scene, um, it was something I I I I really got excited over because I was in able to talk with other people around the world and have great conversations and meet them like yourself. Um, I don't think you, well, you and I met that one time, but before then we had a, a good um, relationship or friendship online for quite a while. And I was, I was having those kinds of um, friendships all over the place. And um, that turned in quickly to, um, you know, how to, how to develop thought leadership and how to expand faster than online than, than you could possibly do offline without um, social media. And, um, and so I, I, I really worked hard at trying to crack the code and figure out what makes um, social tick. 
Um, so for the last few years, I've really just focused on that. And through interviewing other great people, um, it really helped me to figure out what they think about it, how they how they think. Um, and I learned a lot from them, not only in sharing the interviews that I did with them, both on video and podcasting and, you know, just across all mediums to try and figure out what works, but also during the actual interview process, I started learning from them. And, um, and so it was like this double edge, you know, positive sword that I was receiving great information, meeting great people and, and, um, and also, uh, helping to drive, you know, new business back into Pure Matter. So once again, I started to feel valued and, and I was doing things that I was really passionate about, which was sharing. So, um, so that's where that topic came from that you're, I think you're talking about from my TED talk. You mentioned something that you were able to crack the code. Besides meeting people and, you know, kind of sharing their stories, how else are you able to kind of crack the code? You know, I, I actually talk a lot about that in Shareology, um, and there's there's not just one answer, unfortunately. Um, you, there's no the code. The code is is <laughs> when I say crack the code, it's you know there's a code for each of us, and that code's different for each of us. Um, we're we're all different people, and I wrote about that in my first book, in Human to Human, about how each of us are human, and we have different um, different ways of. Um, talking and and we have different you know different body language both online and offline uh, online and offline and um, and I'm really um, you know my my you have to kind of look at your own code and say okay what's what's the goal what do I want to achieve and how am I going to put myself out there to do that so for me and my you know cracking my code so to speak it was um, trying to figure out what um, how to align my own personal brand with um, with thought leadership that I was passionate about and things that would resonate with um, people outside of my circle of friends my my standard circle of friends and and so um, a lot of it just came from testing and trying um, but once I started to gain traction that people were really listening and that, that my blogging was working which at the uh, at the end of the day my blogs actually became the most probably successful thing I've done um, and actually one thing that I'll say here and just stop real quickly is I love your blogs um, I've followed your blogs for so long and um, and you're one of the, one person I consistently love to share. So I just want to say that, yeah, that means so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I do. And and um and I think it's um you know that's that's a really hard thing for people to align what they should write about or what they should you know vlog about or video about or whatever um, that's in alignment with who they are. And um, and so I kind of I walk through that in Shareology in my book in terms of how to find that how do you how do you align that brand whether you're a personal brand or a, an actual company or a corporate brand um, you really do need to align that because once you start sharing it has to be authentic not to use an over cliched word but it has to be authentic in in um, the respect that people know that um, that's what you're you're all about and it really feels right it's you know it's it's comfortable for them to see you sharing something about that and they want to go out go ahead and reshare it and authenticity is something that you turn back to in your in both of your books in human to human and in your most recent book shareology you believe that there is no business to business it's human to human robots can't share human share so how does this philosophy pertain to who you are today as a human? So that's changed just a little bit because robots can share, but what robots can't do is they can't share context. 
um, and that is the difference in what I think you're you're talking about. And so um, I believe that um, that that uh, you know in the future where we're heading, things like Watson is going to be able to share, and you won't tell the difference between a robot and a human. Now, the the thing that that a robot will never be able to do is they'll never never be able to tell uh, the context of a situation. Like they'll never be able to tell you what's funny um, and actually take like a screenshot of something or a picture or a photo and share it out and make you laugh because they got the context over a certain situation. Like for instance, um, you know, we were on the cars ride at Disneyland and, um, just at the very end, it was, you know, Disney takes those pictures just as you're coming down like a steep downhill mode or a roller coaster. And right as we're coming down, um, you know, it took a picture of my family in the car and we're all yelling and screaming. You could see our faces all like, just like every other picture, you know, it's funny. Um, but in this one picture, it was really funny because my daughter who, um, has long hair, it perfectly made her hair or it made her hair perfectly look like she was Jesus. It was like, it was like, it went across her top lip and her bottom, um, uh, her bottom, um, um, her chin, her, her, her chin. and and while that was um while that was happening it was like it took a picture right at that perfect moment and it was so funny so we took a uh, i took a picture of it and i shared it on facebook and everyone died because she just looked like this man you know like jesus and not not to be like religious it was just like it was just funny so while we were um while, while we were waiting for, you know, all these responses to come back and everyone's just dying laughing. And I was like, you know, this is funny because these situations, which unfortunately happen to me all the time, um, they're, they're the human situations that a robot will never be able to do. They, they can't take a picture of something like that and, and tell you the context around why it's funny or why it's sad or why it's, um, you know, any one of the six different emotions that are out there. And so, um, so as we're having these shareable or really relatable experiences, um, those are the experiences that are going to start to matter more and more because you'll start to tell that people are, um, you know, are sharing differently than a robot can, even though a robot can share out a thousand different things at once to a thousand different people and say a thousand different things. Um, you, you'll, the thing about that is that they will be more supportive or more customer centric in terms of trying to help them accomplish something. But what they can't do is reply back in, in, in emotion. And that, that's going to be the difference. We're, we're on this massive shift in human evolution. How are social technologies sparking the shift? How are social technologies sparking the shift? Yeah. That's a good question. So uh, social technologies can, can create, in, um, they create sharing. So you, you can automate sharing. You cannot automate engagement. Um, and, and so, so technologies are, are, uh, well, there's a lot of different categories for technologies. It's actually broken down into all the different categories. Um, actually in my first, in my second chapter of the book in, um, I think there's about 75 different categories for social technologies. Um, and, and it's broken down by my friend, um, Brian Solis, who put, put together the, the conversation prism. I love um, Brian. Every, good guy, good yeah. guy and smart guy. And so he put this conversation prism together almost, I think every year because it 
it changes. There's like 75 of them that go up and 75 that come down on average. And as you're looking at all the social technologies that are out there, um, you know, you really have to build your stack, you know, the, 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 the systems that are going to work for you. Like, which ones do you want for social listening? Which ones do you want for, um, you know, engage, uh, uh, sorry, uh, social sharing? Uh, and actually, which ones for engagement? And, and the list goes on and on and on. But um, I, I, I still think that, you know, at the end of the day, while you can automate all of the different um, things around big data and being able to collect and listen and, and, um, and, and send out social shares, you'll never be able to, with, the, with all of those different tools, be able to um, respond in a human way other than the manual process of actually just simply responding and you may use a tool to do it but at the end of the day it's really all about a conversation that you cannot scale you just have to have the conversation and having these conversations are super important in terms of being more human and being more human is directly aligned with emotional intelligence what are some components of emotional intelligence and why is it increasingly valuable as our society progresses with robotic technology um Emotional intelligence is looking, it's, it's almost a little bit like active listening. It's looking beyond um, just a standard, um, uh, standard way of engagement. And so, you know, you're looking at um, situations and scenarios that people are having without being creepy and actually having, you know, engagement with them. So, you know, um, my friend Ted Rubin uh, wrote, wrote a book called Looking People in the Eye Digitally, and it's looking at people um, beyond what they're just saying. So um, if they have on their profile that they like to skydive or, you know, they're into wine, um, there's, a, there's a, a great way that they've put it out publicly that they're into those kinds of things. So that leaves it open to you having a conversation about those things and, and even more so maybe diving into things like LinkedIn groups and actually seeing on a certain topic that you're interested in what people are talking about and then maybe taking part in that conversation and, and doing your research about who's talking about what and why and then and then really putting your your emotional you know effort into um sorry your emotional intelligence into the conversation so it's not just simply just you know putting out a tweet and um and just broadcasting all the time it's really about reversing that and taking a much deeper level of interest in people and actually saying um hey how are you doing i see you love wine um what's your favorite wine boom you know you're probably going to get a response on that more than um just tweeting something at them. I totally agree. And it's this deeper interest in people that are causing these radical changes ahead for our society. As we're blending digital technology into our physical world, we're seeing companies like Uber and Airbnb really come to life and really grow. While there's so many benefits to these technologies, there are tons of challenges. What are some of the challenges with incorporating digital into the human experience? And how can we rise above these challenges? You know, I think I think that the best thing to do is just to for, not forget that there's a physical world, and um, and and that that's why um, I call it the you know how sharing is powering the human economy, and um, and it really does cover does cover that um, digital to physical world. Um, and actually, I have an interview in my uh, book both with two people that are um, probably going to help answer that question. One is Mark Yolton, uh, the the head of digital for Cisco, and the other one's Jeremiah Aoyang, who runs crowd companies. And both of them are um, are are heading towards what you're talking about, where they make um, 
they're bringing that kind of what uh, meaning to what what the digital and, and physical world um, is, and how do you bridge the two? And um, and and I think um, you know there there are some simple ways, and then there are some not so or uh, maybe more complex ways. Um, you know, some of the simple ways that I see is like I, I I'd love to see things at events, which are obviously very physical. Um, you know, have you know how. We used to have uh, the Kodak moment spots where it'd say, this is a Kodak moment. You should get a, out your camera and do this. And it branded Kodak. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool. And Kodak is barely a company, if, if even around. And um, yet, um, you know, those those moments are happening every every day. It's the moments, the shareable moments that, that we all want to we all want to give on, on social media that helps to share an experience that we all have. But uh, companies and, and events and, and all these different, um, you know, areas that we all all get together aren't uh, even after five years they're still not taking advantage of their Kodak moments and they're not putting maybe even as simple as a sign up um, that says this is an Instagram moment um, you know and, and actually giving people a way to share or, or suggesting a share um, so there's something as simple as that but then you can also take it to the you know to the to the level that Jeremiah talks about which is more the Uber and the Airbnbs of the world which is you know sharing and experiences and, and literally sharing like your house for a, um, you know, for rental. Um, so, you know, there's different facets now of sharing that spans the digital and physical world. And I think across the whole thing, my, my thing is that, um, you know, no matter what you're doing, you're creating an experience, um, whether it's, it's an Instagram slash Kodak moment or, a or a, um, you know, Airbnb and you're sharing your, 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 um, your own house, you're creating an experience for someone. And so how is that experience can be captured and, 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 um, and shared out like when we're, you're in an Airbnb, I'm uh, sorry, in a, in a, um, Uber and you're driving around, um, you know, the app does still doesn't have like a tweet function, which is kind of funny that, you know, you can't actually tweet and share your great experience that you're having in an Uber, which people have like all the time. I love Uber. Like, mm. 10 out of 10 times, I love Uber. Yeah, me um, too. And, and so, you know, why, why can't I share those experiences when they have an iPad in the back seat and I can control the music? Or um, they have water and gum and all this stuff and the driver's like so nice and you just want to share that. Like all of these different physical things that, back to your question, how do you bridge that will make it easier to share and create the experiences that then people want to share and then you will you know magically have it there and, and have the ability to do that disney's great at it if you walk around disney man ooh, they, they got it they they have it um but unfortunately disney is really hard to replicate yes we can look to disney as a huge company to replicate but many smaller businesses don't really have the resources or the marketing team to replicate it as well as disney what are some you know, tools or insights that you can give to maybe some smaller businesses who want to incorporate experiences through engagement? As human creators, our jobs are truly shifting from just creating content to producing these experiences. So what are some ways that smaller companies might be able to integrate these experiences with their content? Well, I think that smaller companies have the leg up. Um, so you know, they're 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 more nimble. They they can react faster um, to just about everything on online, and because they don't have to go through a process of approval, um, they can just do it. And that's that's that is their leg up. Um, so to be able to um, engage as a brand is is something that's really hard for most companies, big companies, to do. You don't see a lot of big companies actually taking part on Twitter chats. 
And I think a very simple thing is for a, a small business is to get your brand um, on tweet chats. Yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. just, I mean, it's so easy and so fun. And yet when you're on tweet chats, I know you and you and I are both, you know, have been on them. How many brands do you see on those? And, um, and it's just, you know, it's all people. And so if they, um, if, if SMBs um, actually just, in, you know, take a look at um, a schedule of all the tweet chats. There's hundreds, if not thousands of them a week. And they just pick one or two and just start tweeting on a tweet chat. Oh my God, they're going to, they're going to love it. So that's, that's one, that's one thing. And it um, doesn't cost anything. It's completely free. Right. <laughs> it's totally free. Totally that's free. The and part. they'll see their, they'll see their, their, their um, followers go up. They'll see their engagement go up. The people will. St so that's one thing. Um, you know, I, um, I think I tweeted, um, Somebody over in Ireland because he showed a cup of coffee. Then I and I just said, "Oh man, I wish I could have coffee, especially from Ireland, because their coffee is way better than the United States." Um, and and so um, I tweeted that, and um, and the 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 company that made the coffee for the guy that was actually uh, he that he was drinking. Um, it was a small little family run coffee shop in Ireland in like a little town. And the, t the, the brand, the coffee shop tweeted me back and said, um, what if we sent you some coffee and then DM me and said, what's your address? And then when, within three days, they, I had like this box of really awesome homegrown beans and coffee. And I, you know, obviously I took a picture and tweeted it, but awesome. I, now, I, now I'm like free. So they get free advertising. I get coffee and, and, and they're just like, you know, family run mom, dad, son, coffee shop and it just it's something that you just can't see i just don't get from most of the enterprise or even mid-market companies it's just something you would only get from a small um you know smb and yet again they're not taking advantage of those those little moments the 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 surprise moments when they can they can surprise and delight you and um and again you know why wouldn't i share it they're creating experience you surprised and delighted your customers when you were a Domino's delivery boy back in the day in college. Um, you talk <laughs> about this in your new book, Shareology. You share a story about delivering not just pizza, but soda to your customers. You were delivering actual value to your customers, but the company at the time didn't appreciate it that much. Can you share this story and explain what listeners can do who may find themselves not maybe being appreciated for the value that they deliver or ways that business owners can over deliver value. Yeah. Um, so that story is one of my, um, one of, one of my favorites. Um, I, I had a lot of jobs that I didn't, um, I didn't have uh, jobs where they were allowing, you know, mo you know, when you're a sandwich maker, or, you know, you're in high school, you know, doing odd end jobs or even in college, and they don't let you do other anything other than what you're really just there to do, which is sometimes just be a cashier or, you know, make a sandwich or whatever. And, um, and yet, you know, a lot of times the ideas are in there. And so, um, you know, I was just always pushing the envelope. And, and by the time I became a pizza delivery driver, um, it really kind of like, um, you know, became something important to me that I want, I thought I could make more money, more tips. Cause in a college town, you don't make a lot of tips as a, as a pizza delivery driver. So, um, uh, then, you know, college people don't tip. So I tried to, you know, figure out a way that I could do, I can get more, more money doing the same kind of job that as what can you do in pizza delivery, right? So I, I was in the grocery store. I was thinking about what they needed. And a lot of people were saying, man, I'm so thirsty. Every time I deliver a, um, 
you know, any kind of um, pizza, they go, oh, do you have any drinks? And I'm like, oh, you didn't order it and I don't have any on me. But what if I did? So I was in Safeway, I think, or a grocery store, and I saw a pallet of two liters. Um, I think it was Coke and Diet Coke. And um, and it was 50 cents for two. Now, this is back when I went to college, but um, 50 cents for two. So it was a quarter piece. And I ended up buying pretty much the pallet of two liters because it's so cheap. And I put it in the back of my um, old blazer and I drove it around and with every um, every two liter or sorry with every medium pizza or larger I gave them a free two liter and they would like nine times out of ten give me a tip which before I'd almost never get tips and then and then um, my tips were even getting bigger because they felt like the value was so like unplanned and yet surprised and delightful and and it's exactly what they needed and now um, mind you most of them were also um you know they're in college so they're stoned so it even hit further for the <laughs> cotton mouth that they had so even they better. were like <laughs> even better so they they would reach in their pockets and give me like five dollar tips and ten dollar tips and i was making like hundreds of dollars at the end of the night and it was just um one of those things and i lasted probably my longest job that far um you know i was there for like a month and a half and and they started calling the office other other people started calling the office when there was other drivers and they'd say hey we didn't get our free two liter and so they they ended up making me stop doing that because it wasn't something that was corporate was providing and i was like you know you guys should really take this on and do it but um but anyway that the point of the whole story is you know that when you provide value and and um you know, and, and you surprise and delight them with something that they, that's very simple. It's cost, you know, a quarter a piece at the time and you can give them something of value, man, it'll, it'll really go far and, um, and help both, you know, both the company and, and the customer. And I think it involves a lot of empathy and a lot of simplicity. I mean, what you're doing is just so simple. Uh, how does being more human and, empathy and simplicity, how does all this translate into marketing today? How does it translate? Um, so simplicity, empathy, and imperfection are the three tenets of um, what I've built as pillars for what it takes to be a human, mm-hmm. um, and whether that's a human company or a human person. Um, you can you can be all, th- all three, and when you embrace all three, it's, it's a lot easier. So uh, empathy, um, being empathetic, is um, when you think about companies that are empathetic, a lot of times I'll get a response back from uh, the audience saying that Amazon is empathetic. And the reason is because um, every time you go to return something, there's no hassle. Um, I bought a, a camera one time from a local uh, camera shop because I wanted to support my local camera shop. And it did not have Wi-Fi built in, which they told me it did. When I went to take it back, they would they, were, they told me there would be a processing fee of $200 to to return it when it didn't do what they said it would do, Yikes. and and if I did if I bought that from Amazon, that would have never happened. And so you know they just ended that relationship. Now for me going back and buying a camera at a local shop, which is dying today, simply because they you know wouldn't honor you know any kind of like within 24 hours a take back for what they said it wouldn't do because I had opened the camera. So um, so empath- empathy is when you, um, you know, it's the old, Nord- old Nordstrom story of taking back a tire. Not that I think that ever really happened, but um, at the end of the day, it's really having empathy for the customer, you know, knowing that there's a much longer relationship there. Um, simplicity is like just the hardest thing to achieve for everybody and yet probably the most important thing. Um, in, in life, we all tend to make things complex in the way we think and the way we act and what we do and online and 
um, how we treat people and so on and so forth. And so when companies um, take all their jargon, you know, their um, their their acronyms and they make it even more complex and they put it out in their marketing language and it ends up, you know, out in their uh, in marketing land on all their, so, you know, social media and demand gen and all that kind of websites and all that kind of stuff, then it starts to resonate with the customer as being a complex company um, when all they really needed to do was just kind of simplify exactly what they're saying. Like, what do you sell? Just tell me. Um, and when you think of that, you know, simplicity, a lot of people tell me Apple because you could you could go to Apple and or not even go to Apple. You could probably tell me every single one of the products if I asked you. Um, it's that simple. They're, they're, and yet they are one of the biggest global brands and most complex brands on the earth. Um, and, and then um, imperfection is something that everyone struggles with. Um, and I think this is one of the biggest struggles of the three because um, as people are starting to um, – uh, sorry, even brands as they're starting to ha have things happen to them, um, which it will. And I mean, mistakes, like things happen all the time. Um, the hardest thing to do is to embrace that. And a lot of people try to hide it. And I think, um, you know, this is coming from somebody who's been dubbed as a, you know, my wife calls me Gaylord Fokker. So I've learned to embrace <laughs> My, and that's F-O-C-K-E-R for your listeners. And, you can, and, or you can curse here. It's okay. <laughs> good. So, um, so I, you know, learning to embrace your, your Fokker moments is what I've written about in the book. And I think, um, you know, it's kind of like the whole, like, Gaylord Fokker. And if you've, you've seen Meet the Parents, um, you know, he's learned to em embrace it. Not in just that movie, but in life. He's funny because that's who he is. And I totally identify with him, unfortunately or fortunately. I don't know which. And so, um, so I think, um, you know, as brands start to embrace their Fokker moments, and they really, you know, um, share and show why they messed up and here's what we're going to do about it. And they do it in, in a totally, again, cliche, authentic way. It's just going to go miles. I was just going to say the hardest thing for any brand is to embrace all three of those, empathy, simplicity, simplicity and imperfection. I actually have not found a brand that embraces or, or portrays all three. Um, and, and I think um, that would be, that's, that's why it's, it's really important for brands to start to embrace all three because the more that they do that as a brand, the more human they're go going to appear and feel. I'm so curious now, what are some of your Fokker moments? Do you, is there any one experience that you'd want to share? <laughs> um any one i have so many um <laughs> can you pick one uh best fucker one of my best fucker moments is probably when i was on um this is like i don't know 15 years ago i was um in my green Honda Civic, it was downtown San Jose. I was getting cash out of the ATM. I pulled out of the ATM um, at B of A, and I moved into like this center lane around this park in downtown San Jose. It's like a, it's like a, um, a, a, a full circle shaped park where you can drive completely around the park in the center. And um, so I moved into that center lane to go back to my office, and um, and I looked across because a, a. Um, a uh, car had like fire coming out of the back side of it and I thought it was on fire until I saw a second car had fire and, and I was like what are the chances for two cars to be on fire wow so I started driving and then well when I looked up um, I there was like this in, in embankment to the right of my car with this huge fence going over the top of the car and I was actually um, driving um, 
in in a I, what I what I now realized at that moment to be a, a Formula One race race. I was like in my Honda Civic car inside the race. So uh, the only way back out of the race was in the gate. I came in. I have no idea to this day how I got into this thing, but I I I. I pushed that car to its limit um, and got out, and and I can honestly say I was in a Formula One race. Are you serious? That really happened to you? Yeah, <laughs> it really did. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! I in fact, I've ever shared that story on a podcast before. I have, I have, I've said it publicly, but I'm not sure I've shared that yet. So that that will be interesting to see what everybody likes about that or not. When you were in the moment when that was occurring, were you aware of how humorous the situation was? What was going through your head? Oh, I was scared shitless um, <laughs> because I was afraid that the cars were going to catch up and what was going to happen then. Um, but I, I, when I got back to the office, and I, I work, my wife is also my business partner, so when I got back to the office and shared the story, it was, and actually everybody else I shared it with, um, they were crying. So um, I, I, I started to ease up a little bit, but it was... I wasn't okay at that moment. And that was back in the day before social media. Can you imagine if that happened when you had like your iPhone on you today? You could be tweeting that out and be like, hey guys, Brian Kramer, the new race car driver. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I would have periscoped it. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of these new video live streaming apps? Oh, I think um, I think they're good. I, I really like them. In fact, I'm going to do one this afternoon for uh, the book launch, um, and I think it's a great way to share the actual in-person experience better, you know, uh, than anything else that's out there, and and be able to do it at at a moment's notice. Um, most of what we had before was you know planned webinars and planned um, you know plan kind of sharing and and this this to me is more of an unplanned um you know way way of having an experience with somebody in the moment the the interesting thing will be though you know um at, at games or at um concerts um like the NHL and most of, and the NFL have both pretty much banned um you using um you know live video streaming so it's going to be pretty pretty interesting to see how they try to take tell everybody that they have to stop raising their phones when they it's possible to take a picture so how are they going to call everybody out on it but um but other other than that i think it's it's a really good tool and i can't wait for it to get better because it's just in its infancy i think there's so much to be learned and really cool ways to meet other people on these new platforms in your book you talk about the book the popcorn report and how that's influenced your thinking what are some other books that inspire you Oh, um, other books that inspire me. I have all my books sitting here. Um, I'll tell you what they are. Yeah, let me know. Uh, Twitter Power from Joel Kahn. Um, Will the Real You Please Stand Up from Kim Garst. Dory Clark stand, uh, wrote a book. Actually, just wrote a book, Stand Out. Um, Daniel Newman wrote Evolve. Um, let's see. Have I you have read all these books? I have. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I have, uh, actually... Let me look. Yeah, I've read all the ones that I just talked about. Um, actually, Jason Miller wrote um, Welcome to the Funnel. That was a good one. Yeah, those are some great books. Awesome. Yeah, I'm always curious to know what is going on inside the brains of the top marketers and writers that I love reading. So, cool. Thanks for sharing that. You got it. And Shareology is the new book that you wrote, and it's a big week for you. Where can listeners... Find that book or buy it online and find you online. Yeah, um, thank you. So if you go to Amazon and just type in Shareology, the book will come right up. Um, it's also on all the other uh, 
book platforms. Or if you go to shareologybook.com, then you can get access to the book there. And there's also a community there that has a whole sharing platform um, that will allow you to uh, get in, earn points, and win things like a signed book. So um, that there's that. And then you can also just tweet me at Brian Kramer, Brian with a Y, Kramer with a K, uh, or on my website, briankramer.com. So just about anything online, Brian Kramer. <laughs> Brian Kramer, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I appreciate it, and I look forward to um, uh, talking with you soon. Thank you so much for listening to the latest episode of The Art of Humanity. If you love this podcast, please tell me so in the reviews on the iTunes store. Thanks for listening to The Art of Humanity. Please follow us on Twitter at It's Jessica Ann. Join us next week with your host, Jessica Ann. Evolve your business with The Art of Humanity.